Hello and welcome to Bandcast Movie Trash IMDb, and with me as always is Aaron. How's it going? And Jared. Hey. And welcome to the second in our Lifetime True Crime double feature. Last time we watched A Killer Among Friends, and this week we are reviewing Death of a Cheerleader, or also known as A Friend to Die For, but it's primarily known as Death of a Cheerleader now in the U.S. They remade it. I saw that on INDV that there appeared to be a remake. I don't know how it's like remaking The Godfather. You don't touch a classic like this. You don't touch that. (laughs) This is uh, one of Aaron's favorite movies. It is from 1994, directed by William A. Graham. His IMDB page was fascinating to me. His first credit was from 1958. He was working nonstop from 1958, it looks like, up until he died in Malibu in 2013. Damn. Yeah, just a, a workhorse, man. Uh, and are, are you saying he was on cocaine when he died? <laughs> I, I'm not, not saying he was on cocaine. He directed three episodes of The X-Files. That's like the only thing that really jumped out to me. But the dude just directed a ton of TV movies. And uh, we'll get into it. But I found this one much more pleasurable to watch just from kind of a, a viewer experience. So I think he he's better than our last one. Uh, this movie stars Tori Spelling, Kelly Martin, Marley Shelton, Catherine Morris, and the dad from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, James Avery. Oh, yeah. He played the cop. No, he played the FBI agent. The FBI agent. I'm sorry. By the way, FBI, suck my dick. Stop monitoring my calls. Go fuck yourself. Oh, you know that that hurts me in my heart because that's Special Agent Dale Cooper's territory. Yeah. In David Lynch's universe, they're a super wacky, fun bunch. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, using Weedman as a... Uh, as telltale signs to find clues and stuff yes <laughs> not in this universe it's her it's my mother's sister's girl anyway <laughs> there, there's a nod for you his his uh so james avery i found this really entertaining that he is third build on imdb he has one scene at the very end that is i think less than five minutes but it is probably the best scene so it's uncle yeah. phil uncle phil it's happening i knew that that would uh, strike home for you guys Fresh Prince, Philadelphia. My yeah, Philadelphia but you crew. called him. You called him the dad, and it's it's Will, and then the rest of the family. Oh, right, he's the uncle to Will. I mean, from where we're looking at it, Jared and I, you know, Will is like the Messiah. Okay, yeah, and Carlton's his Judas. Carlton's from the main line, Aaron. Oh, okay, always in his shadow. It's very very sad. So this Good dancer. this movie is based on the murder of Kirsten Costas, who was murdered on June twenty third, nineteen eighty five, a month before her sixteenth birthday. Was she Latina too, Costas? Uh, I don't believe so. She yeah, she doesn't look like she was Latina. Yeah, I did see uh, some pictures. Very sad story. We'll just get like the a brief synopsis again out of the way, and then we can just have fun talking about the movie. But so this movie is set at Miramonte High School in Orinda, California. That's up north in the Bay Area. Uh, by you, Aaron. Uh, it's just next to Walnut Creek. She was murdered. The murder. S- scenario is exactly as you see in this movie this girl angela i don't know what the real name is but in the movie angela calls knows that she isn't home speaks bernadette. to her mother oh bernadette that's right bernadette knows that kirsten isn't home talks to her mother says that it's a surprise it was a surprise dinner for the new um pledges 
Is that what you would call them? Yeah, yeah. Pledge for this club, the whatever their honor society that does hospital shit or whatever. Yeah, the um. Well, I think it's like the the Chirsco. God, we are bad at this. <laughs> Holy fuck, I didn't I didn't write this uh, down. But um, that it's a surprise, and she'll uh, pick her up on Saturday. It was a little odd to Kirsten when Bernadette showed up to pick her up. Uh, they weren't exactly close friends. They drove to a church parking lot. There, Bernadette claims that Kirsten wanted to smoke pot. Unclear if that's true. And then there was some sort of discussion where Kirsten got a little freaked out, but Bernadette left the car, went up to a stranger's house, and explained that she doesn't live nearby. She was with a friend. The friend started getting weird, and she needs a ride, uh, or she needs to call home. There's nobody home, so this guy drives her home, and... While she was talking to him on the front step, he noticed somebody in the background that was out on the streetway, looked kind of weird. They were followed by a Pinto to get to her house. He drops her off. He says that he'll wait to see that she gets inside. He sees a woman come out from uh, the bushes, and it looks to him like it's a fist fight. Then there's a scream. This girl runs next door to get help, and he... Apparently, I saw drives away, maybe follows the Pinto, maybe not, loses the Pinto, and then goes home. And uh, she died there of her stab wounds. I found it strange that she's getting in a car with a man she doesn't even know to drive her home. I mean, I guess she knocked on the door. Obviously, this guy was not harmful, but that's not, maybe in 1984, it's a different time too. But I, at that age, would not have been knocking up on a stranger's door asking for a ride home from them. I would go in there and I'd just be like blowing people up till I got somebody on the phone to come pick me up. Right, yeah, she only tried one person. I guess it's- Yeah, like she didn't just get arrested. You get one phone call, bitch. <laughs> Sorry. That's, yeah, that's true. I guess it's uh, a reflection of the community that this just seems to be a, a safe community. But again, as we all know, that's deceptive, right? It's not like there aren't creeps in, in a nice uh, community anyway. But for whatever reason, I mean, she was- Fortunate, the guy wasn't a creep. He didn't uh, try anything. Although it is suggestive when you see it in this movie because it's Tori Spelling wearing a miniskirt. And of course, everyone is thinking, oh, something bad's going to go down here getting into this car. But well, what about this? What if he is a creep? And then while he's driving her home, he stops and tries to put the moves on her. Now we have a completely different story of what happens because now Kelly Martin is going to stab this dude instead of stabbing Kirsten, not Kelly Martin. What's her uh, Bernadette? You know, if she was following and the dude tried some shit, she would have stabbed the old creepy man, given a ride home and they would have both lived to tell the tale. It's almost a shame that he didn't try something. That's true. Yeah, right. Would Bernadette have stepped in? It's so weird. This is what we ran into with the last movie, which is how the fuck could they not have caught this girl? So she was murdered in June and she wasn't caught until December and only because she turned herself in, right? This was the girl who picked Kirsten up, was driving a Pinto, 
of Pinto followed this guy with Kirsten in his car to the house and then a Pinto drove off and I have here from the article in People that local sheriffs conducted more than 300 interviews, investigated more than 1,000 leads and examined 750 Pintos. This is insane that they couldn't put it two and two together. And it takes the FBI to come in at that end scene with its um, uncle from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And they read the profile and then they let her go. And then there's a conversation. Well, we have no forensic evidence. We just need a confession because the FBI is like, yeah, you fucking dipshits messed this all up because now we can't get forensic evidence five months later. So all we can do is hope that she confesses. But this is like obvious to anyone except. Well, yeah, Uncle Phil, he's a no nonsense kind of guy. He's a no nonsense guy. His scene was, I mean, his voice is so bass and resonant and and soothing in a way but also stern i i really did love that scene so okay anyway so that's that's the uh that's the the setup for the brief synopsis of the, like the actual case so now let's dive into this movie that is based on it and i thought that this movie took a very interesting approach by making the victim a total bitch and the murderer a victimized angel it's true <laughs> it was so over the top and at a certain point you just have to like let go of the fact that this is a real case and just be like wow what the fuck are they doing why would they do this <laughs> i mean it makes for a you good know, the poor family has not suffered enough yet i mean hopefully they don't have a subscription to lifetime in 1994 actually oh one more note about this so this was 1994 this was originally aired on nbc lifetime later bought it this was the highest rated tv movie of 1994 this thing was a big hit wow oh shit man Jared, you did not like this movie, and your feelings about this movie, I believe, are probably similar to how Aaron felt watching movies like Predator and The Thing. This is Aaron's revenge on us. This is Aaron's revenge. Yeah, I know. What did I do to you, Aaron? (laughs) I can't believe it took me this long to think of it. Well, I think she was trying to get me, but then it turns around, and I actually... Overall, I did not hate this movie. I, I thought that this one was interesting, and again, you had to kind of like divorce it maybe from the real case just so you cannot feel terrible watching it and what they're doing to this poor girl's legacy. But they're going for something else here very clearly where they want to say that this is the community's fault. <laughs> this is the community That's right. did the this. community's fault. That's right. Yes. All I know is if I am this girl's parents and I find out that Tori Spelling was cast to play my daughter, I mean, that just would be the final nail in the coffin. It's like we've suffered enough. Also, the girl looks nothing like Tori Spelling. That was a terrible choice physically. Neither character looks like the one that they were cast as. Right. I don't believe that this girl. I mean, the, the way that Tori Spelling behaves in here is so over the top and so cartoonishly villainous. Uh, I, I just I would have a hard time believing that this poor girl actually was that. And re- with regards to Tori Spelling and her appearance, I had written down here. We talked about this a few episodes ago. Tori Spelling is a Cincinnati Bengal. Good uniform, bad helmet. Perfect example. Okay. Yeah. She's got a, a great body, but uh, I don't know. A butterface. <laughs> I don't know why. And again, I, I, I'm no prize pick myself. Okay. I know that. But, you know, it's fun to make fun of other people's appearance. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's and it's uh, it's so easy and it's fun to do. 
But I, it is surprising just to see her as the queen bee of this group of friends and these cheerleaders when she is surrounded by smoking hot women. Especially the woman who, I guess, passes the torch onto her and smears the mayonnaise in her hair, which I felt had to be representing cum in the hair. But that woman is unbelievable in, the, in this movie. She is just, I mean. Well, Wendy Preferkorn's in it. I mean, obviously, she would be the Queen Bee. Who, which one is she? She's the, um, she plays the girl that Kelly was friends with. Uh, Kelly is the girl, the actress's name, oh, Angela. The blonde girl who's yeah, a member played, of them? Yeah. She's from uh, Sandlot. Uh, right, Sandlot. Then she was in uh, those Grindhouse movies uh, that Tarantino was a part of. Uh, there was a producer. I can't remember if he directed one of those. No, she is great too. But I can see her as not being like the Queen Bee because at least they have her looking a little bit more um, she's likeable. withdrawn. Yeah, she was likable. But there are other women in that cadre. <laughs> They're all so much prettier than Tori Spelling and better actresses. Tori Spelling just gets these roles because of her father. Isn't, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who's her father? Uh, What is it? Aaron Spelling? Oh, yeah. Aaron Spelling. Aaron Spelling. He's the big, what, he created Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place. Isn't that right? Yep. And um, I mean, he's got some other stuff, too. I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but. I mean, he's huge Hollywood mogul. He's big timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the 90s was like his decade, I, I believe, not knowing much about him. But yeah, well, he's huge. And she's his daughter. And she acts everything as though she's reading cue cards. I mean, her alongside Keanu Reeves. That would be a oh. movie. Like if they put her in Point Break in Laurie Petty's role, then we really got ourselves <laughs> a movie. Imagine her in Sandra Bullock's role. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! She's terrible. So bad. Here's something else too. How unbelievable it is with this bitch, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, who we just saw in the previous film. Right. Way hotter than Tori Spelling. Yep. Not even a close competition. In 90210, the dude chooses Tori Spelling over Tiffany Amberthiesen. And I'm sorry, that just is not going to happen. No, I would agree with that. I agree, man. Thiessen over Spelling any day. Wear those high top shorts any day. And also now the way they've aged. Yeah, Thiessen has aged uh, really well too, right? She sure has. Yeah. And Spelling, not so much. Not so much. I guess in real life, though, she's had quite a bit of struggles. I feel a little bad for her, but I mean, we all have. I thought we were making fun of people's appearances <laughs> right now. That's true. That's yeah. true. All right. Yeah. I... This is your idea. You're gonna go once. You gotta go all the way. How can I be the voice of uh, moral <laughs> authority? <laughs> I just got done calling her a Cincinnati Bengal. Hey guys, cool it. Yeah. Come on. That's not nice. <laughs> so I, one of the things, though, is we open on the murder scenario, although we're not clear who it is who's murdered her. But of course, going into it, if you know anything, and it's pretty obvious. But I mean, if you looked at the cover of the film. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. The the box art is showing you exactly who the murderer is. If you weren't if paying the title's attention. not good enough, you know, the box art will just <laughs> yeah. show it to you with the title on top. And we just don't want you to spend the whole entire movie wondering about it. So we're just going to show you in the first scene what happens. And then we'll backtrack and explain the story to you. So they show the ambulance on the scene and the parents drive up. And this is apparently true. So that's really sad. But um, again, just going by the movie, they get out 
and the parents see Tori Spelling being put into the ambulance and the mom yells at the dad, what happened? And it's like, I don't know, bitch. I just got here too. Yeah. <laughs> what are you screaming oh, at me Oh, I for? hired someone to do this to our kid. <laughs> yeah. He turns around at this point and says, it's, I know it's a bad time, but I want a divorce. <laughs> After she gets stabbed, they, everyone just doesn't do anything. They just like s- surround her. They don't do, they don't take CPR. They don't try and do anything. It's like all an ambulance. Jared, you being a, uh, a trained lifeguard, you would know exactly how to snap into action. And um, right. So us, that's why all of us should really get some portion of that training, because the shock of seeing that for people like me, I feel like I fear that I might be have that moment where I just like don't know what to do either. But it is pretty obvious, though. Call 911, right? <laughs> the kid has to be told. Dude, they uh, did like a second delay. I'm like, dude, come on. Well, that was so that they could cut to a close-up of Tori Spelling, uh, which was really tasteless. <laughs> Probably a commercial break. Oh, yeah. Oh, that could be what? it, too. <laughs> right. We you think, get you in think they were do, uh, advertising 1-800? C-O-L-L-E-T-T. Ooh, that would be a good one. 1-800-CALL-A-T-T. Or a Mentos Fresh Maker commercial. You think there was a Mentos <laughs> right after 100%. that? 100%. Yeah, primetime NBC. It was the NBC. one where the, where the guy's rolling around on the bench. So that he can create a pinstripe suit for himself. Or I remember the one where he gets into a cab that's already been taken, but then it's okay because he gives the guy a Mentos. Oh, yeah. And it's like, hey, want to get a hotel room? Yeah. But then, so we see her die, and then we cut to 10 months earlier, and now we see Tori Spelling at this pep rally, and that's where I got really pissed. I was... It's like if in Contagion, right after they cut Gwyneth Paltrow's head open, they cut to five weeks earlier and we spend the rest of the movie with her. The only upside is, I guess, that we get to see her killed twice, but uh, I'm not sure it's worth it. Why do you think they casted her? Come on. It's like we have to watch more Tori Spelling. <laughs> we, we, were, we were in the clear. She was dead. We were moving on. <laughs> that's, what, that's what murder movies do, man. They, your girlfriend makes you watch this shit, and then you're held hostage, and then you're being abused, and then you're like, okay, Tori Spelling, okay, all right, oh, man. Aaron, Jared's got some real issues connected with these Lifetime movies. I know. I, I, I'm, I fucking I'm like... hate these things, because I think about it, and then I think, this is why this big Nancy Grace has her fucking uh, show and her well, she's stupid off opinion, now. and then they just want to throw the book at everybody. This is a major miscalculation on your part to tell Aaron and I that you hate these movies so vehemently because Aaron and I, as good friends, have an obligation now to choose more Lifetime movies for us to watch and review. Uh, I have a belt right here. I could hang myself if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, you're like Wilford Brimley in The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I need my shot of whiskey. It is hanging right b- right behind his uh, head, Aaron. I would say that this is something that's been brewing with Jared for quite some time. These uh, last two weeks is not where this agitation originated. I know. I know. That's why we have to keep prodding, <laughs> as good friends would do. Everything that Lifetime markets and anything with crime, I fucking, I cannot stand. It's just like, it put, it makes me so angry. I will say that this is getting into some slightly uncomfortable territory where, again, like, there are living victims of this crime, these two crimes. You know, this isn't like Lizzie Borden from about 100 years ago where it's like, okay, you know, you can just have fun it's with a great it one. all. Uh, yeah, that's a that would be an awesome one. We gotta find. Is there a Lifetime movie about Lizzie Borden? There might be. Um, there's definitely a Lizzie Borden movie because that's how I know about her. 
Okay. I, I watched it when I was uh, a wee bear. But I know that there are Lifetime movies, or I believe there are Lifetime movies, that are not based on a true story like these two are. So maybe for the next go around, we'll... I think if, if we all want to puke, we should. I saw that uh, Lifetime is going to be doing their Christmas movies all through July. <laughs> all through July? <laughs> Yeah, I guess. My life. Well, Christmas in July, but they're probably also like everybody's kind of stuck at home. Yeah. Let's get some ratings. Let's get these bitches that like these Christmas jams. Well, now I do take one thing I said back because there is one on Lorena Bobbitt and there's no murder victim there. I think that that would be oh. right up our alley, wouldn't it? I think, yeah, I think that's great. I think that probably just And then that's a, that's a way that I can segue uh, Sylvester Stallone's yes. penis into the conversation. <laughs> of it's always Sylvester Stallone's penis. It's more his nuts, honestly. So it's at this uh, pep rally then that we get introduced to our other characters. I did have written down here, well, I guess we're just going to watch this whole pep rally in real time. I wasn't sure how long we were going to have to watch the girls cheer for but uh that was painful um yeah it was this is our first introduction to the goth girl uh monica i believe her name is and i do believe that this is true from one of the things that i read that there was a goth girl that they blamed this on uh, a lot of the community for quite some time and I, i believe she had to leave or change schools uh because of it which is pretty sad but this goth girl looks like she's 35 and i can't figure out why she's still in high school there's always a goth girl who looks like she's older and honestly she wasn't making any friends at the school she was at anyway so okay sorry you've been framed for murder you have to go to a new school now (laughs) yeah here's a question about her not having any friends why then does she go on the ski trip in this movie this was not a class outing this was the group of friends who are going on the ski trip, and for some reason her parents make her go on it, that made no sense to me. I could not figure out why she was there. Well, because they were like, why the fuck is our daughter wearing black lipstick and presenting herself like this? This is not the kind of girl that we raised. Now you're going on that goddamn ski trip, and so help me God, you are going to make friends. (laughs) Do not come back here friendless. Yeah, you're going to hang out with those Catholics. Stop Satan worshipping by listening to the Morsi and the Cure. Well, now this is 1994. So this would have been, yeah, this would have been just before Marilyn Manson really blew up because his Portrait of American Family was 1994. And he didn't really explode until 1985 with the cover of Sweet Dreams. But she, I mean, to me, she was just like a Marilyn Manson fan like uh, I knew. She, they made her look really sickly in here, or she was sick during this shoot. Oh, she's probably anorexic. She was really skinny. Dude, I never understood the hatred of goth girls, man. We had one in school too, and everyone was dogging on her. I'm like, dude, she was hot, man, and she listened to good music. She smoked cigarettes, and everyone was like, oh, that's unattractive. I'm like, yo, dude. She looked like she was in her early 20s. And of course, if she smokes, she pokes, right? Now, you only had one goth girl in your high school? Yeah, because keep in mind, I'm in the era where everyone was like, a lot of people were listening to rap, you know? You hear this, uh, Aaron? Jared's trying to date me again. Yes. Don't appreciate it. We had some goths at my school, for sure. We had girls and dudes. Yeah, we had a bunch. It was that age. 
They wore those like, well, I don't know, because you were talking about your Jenko jeans. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, no, they, they didn't wear those, though, I think. I kind of no, remember wear them maybe wearing like the ones that had the zippers. They were like kind of like swooshy pants, but they were really wide leg. Okay. Dressed up like uh, the crow. Yeah, the crow. The crow is a yeah big movie for that. When every half age guy thinks that they're the crow, it, it, they want to get laid, you know. <laughs> hey, you could do the crow. I do. Uh, yeah, man, dude. I just gotta stay away from the sun. Well, I guess so. I guess this is the time where it was still pretty fairly novel. I think Marilyn Manson definitely made it more mainstream. Well, The Cure. Yeah, I guess The Cure, like the eighties version. The Smiths. The eighties. Yeah, but like the real goth. I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I, I attribute a lot. I don't, know, I don't know. Maybe it's like the second wave was Marilyn Manson or something like that. But he's kind of also like rock. I don't know. Like the goth kids in my high school would have been um, people who listened to corn. Yeah. Oh, are they like goth? That, they would have like gone down that kind of a um, musical oh, path. Oh, no. Those are people who wear Janko jeans. And, yeah, like, that's the Janko jeans. Thing. That's new metal. Yeah. I think that's what my goths were listening to, though, too. There is crossover, yeah. There is crossover because you got the Slipknot. Oh, yeah. They're a little bit later, right? They're like the end of the 90s. It's like mid-90s, yeah. definitely corn. You know, Manson, trying to think who else. Well, I mean, Faith No More kind of started it. Oh, Faith No More is so but great. But they were great. Oh, my God, Faith No More. So underrated. I don't know if they're underrated, but, you know, Mike they Patton are. is just so out there that people have a hard time, I think, understanding <laughs> what he's doing. He's a nut. But, yeah, Faith No More is great. I don't consider them goth or new metal at all. I mean, they're just... No, but they influence new metal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Every shitty new metal band listen to Mike Patton, but it's like, you know, it's like, how can you sound like Faith No More? Yeah, there's only one. Yeah, don't even try. I kind of feel that way about Marilyn Manson, too. Uh, that's why My Chemical Romance. Ugh, come on. Yeah. Just go with uh, just go with Manson and get it over with. One thing I have noted here, too, about this. I taught high school. Uh, of course, I didn't teach in a place like this community. And I taught, like, you know, 20 years later. I'm not even going by where when I taught in the ghetto in Chicago. But I also taught in a nicer area uh, south of San Jose. This auditorium is filled with teenagers. And everyone is hanging on this asshole principal's every word about excellence so that he can have 30 <laughs> seconds of silence. That is absolute bullshit. And that infuriates me. Yeah. I think he was pretty creepy with um, Tori Spelling. It was unbelievable. The principal, yeah. he walks in to the office and starts talking to her like he's an ad executive in Mad Men and she's his personal secretary. How is her prettiest <laughs> office assistant this morning? What the fuck is that? Yeah. yeah dude. And then the, the way that he dogs the other girl, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Although, did you, did you look up how the original girls look? You know, it's interesting that you say that. I don't think I saw Bernadette, but I did see Kirsten and just looked like a sweet 15-year-old you know, kid. I agree with that. She didn't look like a twat like Tori. Yeah. But the girl, Bernadette, you look at her and like you can see she looks like she's a little nuts, this one. Okay. That's well, what Catholics do. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, let's not judge her. <laughs> let's not judge Bernadette well, who stabbed her classmate she's in her 50s now she's not she's not bernadette anymore right i saw that she only went to prison for like seven years she got out by the time she was 23 yeah crime of passion i mean honestly if we think about this she kind of she got out of having to do high school so she's hanging out in jail during her high school years 
Okay, she doesn't get to drink, but she gets up by the time she's 23. That's so plenty of 20s left to fuck off. I know. Maybe not make too many mistakes because you've already kind of done that, but... Okay, so yeah, I guess getting back to the real life version, there is something that you do have a little bit more sympathy for her. I mean, this is a very... This is like a disturbed person who, you know, could have been helped, you know, ahead of time. Not like, she's not like Karen from, you know, the previous episode that we did. Oh, yeah, that dumb bitch. Yeah, that's just, I mean, she's just a straight sociopath that needs to be kept out of society. This girl, it's sad, and maybe, maybe she doesn't she doesn't need to be locked away forever but i don't know seven years feels like for the family and everything oh come on that's but fair seven Seven years i mean juveniles your brain's not developed i know i i get that i do but i you know what it takes that's the problem that's see that's the propaganda melting in your brain right there you just want to throw away the book (laughs) i don't want to throw away the book you want to tell me not to flap my hands i know that you (laughs) i know that you are big about how these kinds of movies these these true crime movies these lifetime movies are quasi propaganda to Get people to be tough on crime and fuel the prison industrial complex and all of that. But this movie actually repudiates that argument because this movie really wants you to sympathize with her and doesn't want you to feel like she should go away forever. So this one kind of goes against your theory there and that this one was the most watched. However, I don't know, seven years. Do you know what it takes to take a knife and plunge it seven times into somebody? Like, that's that's not firing a gun. That's yeah. up close and personal. That is really another She's level. 15. She doesn't know. I know, you, but... Your brain's you, not developed. You know, also being a doctor in that Catholic To bullshit. take a knife... It wasn't self-defense. They weren't in a fight. She hunted her down, though. I don't know. Aaron, where do you come down on this? I think um, seven years did seem light just because of the fact that if it was my child, sister, whatever, you would be like infuriated that they only serve seven years. But then also like imagine how she had to re-enter into the world because she's still so young. Like now she's got to meet people and eventually that's going to come up. Like eventually she's going to disclose that maybe not to just casual friends. Like I haven't told you guys. Oh yeah. (laughs) We've been waiting though. We know there's something there. (laughs) But, (laughs) But if you're like, if you're getting serious with somebody and then you have to disclose this thing, that's not great about you because if you're going to be in a relationship with someone that could be a deal breaker for people. Oh, you mean she's not telling the cashier at Safeway, but, you know, waiting till, <laughs> waiting till, yeah, which date number? Like date number three? After sex? <laughs> oh, right after the first time you have sex is when you, is when you tell. <laughs> as he's falling asleep. Seven stab wounds. Leave him with that. Yeah, like right in his ear, whisper in his ear. <laughs> I killed someone before. Does that make her hotter, Jared? I don't know. It yeah. could. Yeah. Well, I think it does. Cat, well, she, dude, she probably does anal right away like that. <laughs> oh, man. She was probably a virgin at 23. Oh, that's right. So she had that going. Ooh. She was like, listen. She had it pent up. Here's the thing. It's exciting for you. I'm a virgin. There is one little caveat to why that virginity is still there. So got to take the good with the bad. And I saw that apparently, and this hard to say if any of this is confirmed, but it seems that she became a nurse. 
was in Oklahoma, yeah. perhaps in Oregon after a while, but who knows the truth? I mean, this is the internet after all. But yeah, so seven, yeah, seven years. That's a long time. Oh, we were talking about a little bit about uh, how Bernadette looks. Angela in here, she's got some crazy eyes. She looks a bit like Fiona Apple. I thought without the creative music. Yeah. Well, did you hear her last album? Fiona Apple's latest album <laughs> is unlistenable. But that first oh, album okay. title is still a classic. That first album oh, is yeah. a masterpiece. I can go back and listen to that. I was doing that a little bit over this uh, quarantine while we were going on our drives. Beautiful album. Oh, man. And some of her second one is still good, too. But this last one, it's like she's got Yoko Ono going on there. Nice. She's friends with Blossom in here. And uh, but I do love how Angela's parents can't stand her. <laughs> She's oh yeah, definitely. They're like uh... you know in real life. She at the end she leaves that confession note for her mom and asks her not to read it for thirty minutes. But in here they don't have that. She just gives it to her mom, and then her mom just is like ugh, and then finishes cleaning the dishes, Busy. goes and reads the Bible, sets a timer, and I just see her. The timer gets down to zero, and she's just like oh oh. Let me just crank it back up a few more minutes before I have to read this stupid note from my daughter. She's like, didn't you get the point last night when I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to freshen up and then I'll be down when I never came down to talk? Yeah. I am not interested. <laughs> Maybe. And I've read your work before. You're not that good of a writer. That's okay, right. now You're I got to sit good here. What they say. You're not good enough to be in your book. You're writing excuses for kids in the attendance office. You're not exactly the next <laughs> Edith Wharton. Well, the older sister, too, is like, oh, yeah, nice oh, dream, sister. You ain't going to do shit. And it's like she's 15. Like this is the time where you could you really should support her, her dreams that she sees. She's not like, you know, your 35 year old sister who's like, hey, I think I can be like Danielle Steele. And she's like, I think you need to get a fucking job. OK, you've been on unemployment for the last five years. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, what does she do that she's that's so like she's so successful? You know, it's like eating cucumbers <laughs> in her car. <laughs> yeah, you're taking life advice. Yeah, from the woman eating cucumbers in her pinto. <laughs> yeah, who has knives sharp enough to stab people with cucumbers? I mean, really? Well, maybe it was premeditated then. It's really hard to say that this wasn't premeditated. I don't know about crime of like passion. She honestly, she, well, this seemed to be plotted out two days in advance. It's suspicious because we are, we're getting the sister is telling us that she eats her cucumbers in her car. Right. That's why the knife's there. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, that I keep a big knife in my car. Like, I don't know. Wouldn't you keep like a, a you know, a switchblade or something that folds up so that you don't just have it rattling around the car with cigarette ash? This is like the 80s. And I think, too, the, um, the kind of knife that I would use to cut a cucumber I don't know if I stab somebody seven times with that knife, if I'm going to kill them. I mean, I, I guess if you hit hit a major organ, but like... I think this is before knives were made in China. So if it was a China knife, it, that thing, would, <laughs> your skin would break it. This is American steel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> this comes out of Philly. <laughs> when I was a teacher in Chicago... One of my students, well, I had a number of students die from terrible things, but one of my students got stabbed in a fight uh, just out front of the school, and she yes. was put in the hospital, and it was not clear whether she would live or die, which is, you know, horrifying. She did survive, and she was back in my classroom, uh, she was my homeroom class, 
like a, I think a month later or maybe less than a month later and just acting like nothing happened. It was really, really bizarre. But yeah, I, I think the, the blade, it was plunged into her and it just missed her lung and vital yeah. organs. Yeah. And seven times though, you have a better, I mean, with each, I guess, stab, you have a yeah. better opportunity of hitting a vital organ. But yeah, then that is just like such a vicious way to, and painful way Seven years. I come to well, come and back it, to it looked it looked too like from the pictures that I saw of the two of them. It looked like the attacker uh, had like a more um, athletic build. I don't know if athletic's the right word to say there, but the victim looked very petite. Oh wow! The, when you think about the yes, it was seven times, and she had time to cool off too. Yeah, it does kind of feel like. She brought the knife. It was basically like she'd had enough of the bullshit. Go to the church. I doubt very much that this other girl was trying to smoke weed. There was nothing even in the movie prior to that that would suggest that that was a part of. I agree with you that, yeah, there's nothing really prior that would make us think that this girl was smoking weed. The whole thing is like, why, if it's not premeditated, why set this all up to get her alone in her car, which would be the first time? Like, because this girl was surprised to find that Bernadette was the one who's going to pick her up and take her somewhere because that's like never happened before. I don't know why you go to a church parking lot. But if she's, it's basically in her head, I'm going to lay it out for her. And if she doesn't comply, then... Shit's going to get real for her. Yeah, it's the whole thing is just really it's it's really bizarre. It's the same as the the one that we watched last week. Just how annoying it is that how easily it could have been prevented. Yeah, because even in the last week, the girl who eventually came forward who was driving the other car, she plays it up like she had no idea what they were doing, but she was kind of part of the planning in some way. Oh, yeah. Teenagers are idiots. It's true. <laughs> I thought he said you guys. I agree with that. <laughs> you guys are yeah. acting like they're adults. They're fucking they're morons. I know. Oh, I get it. you're in your early it. 20s and teenagers, you're a fucking idiot. Please, I say it all the time. Yeah, teenagers are idiots. Kids are idiots. Yeah, I know. I, I work with them. I remember myself at that age. And that's why I was giving a little bit more sympathy to Laura last week. Maybe a little bit too much with her role, because I think she did play a pretty big role, but I still think that she was pulled along. Karen was obviously the mastermind. But um, for this one, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's some premeditation as well as losing it in, in a moment of passion, like you said, Jared. You'll never do it again. That's the thing. So, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think whatever sentence you think that's appropriate makes any sense. All right, but so maybe we get to get back to the movie, which is a little bit more fun because <laughs> these yeah, real life fun. these real life speculations become a drag, man. These true I crime and the criminals. Yeah, I'm case by case on who I'm defending. <laughs> so we were mentioning how creepy the uh, principal and inappropriate the principal is, and later on too, he says, "You're exactly the sort of girl we need to represent us." And he's talking yeah, about the cheerleading tryouts. I'm trying out too. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, nobody gives a fuck. You're ugly. Oh God, like, whatever. There are principles like this. I've been fortunate enough when I was teaching to have uh, great principles of the two men that were principals. But I do know from people that worked in other places, there were absolutely principles like this. And it's so pathetic. But then we get Angela at church and the priest here at the church 
starts making suggestive remarks to Angela, talking about how wonderful of a woman you've grown up into and like touches her. And it's like, uh, felt a little out of character though. And uh, because she doesn't look like a nine-year-old boy. Yeah, he is fucking nine-year-old boys. He's just hitting on the teenagers because that's more respected in the community. (laughs) Yeah. And it throws them off the trail. But if she actually would have been like, all right, father, let's do this, he'd have been like, ew. (laughs) We get every opportunity to take digs at the Catholic priest. But you know what? They deserve it. So it's shortly after this that she then gets invited on that ski trip and needs to find out where to get the money to purchase the equipment. Skiing is expensive. I've never been skiing in my life. When I was growing up, it was like skiing. That is not for us. And we were <laughs> terribly well off, but um, it was still very clear like, oh no, skiing. I know when my dad was growing up, you could go skiing. It was like cheap and easy. He grew up in Michigan. But then she goes into this, we get this awesome 80s montage of her doing odd jobs to earn money money so that she can buy some ski gear. Do you guys remember this? Yeah. The freakiest looking baby I've ever seen on camera. In the that, high chair? Yes. The one through the, yeah, she wasn't that cute, was she? The redhead. It was scary to me. That, thing, that's, <laughs> that baby looked freakish. She was so pale with black eyes and red hair. It was great. I they did it. like a, um, how they used to do with movie studios back in the day with like MGM. They bought that baby. <laughs> they could just tell from a young age where it was going to go. And they were like, we're going to need this baby in a couple years for some movies. Oh, we're doing an <laughs> Omen remake. So just like how they hired the lion. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, they hired the lion and uh, and then sold him for dog food when he got too old. At a certain point, Bernadette slash Angela is being inducted into their their group of friends. She's now like rolling with them. And there's the initiation, the cheerleader initiation. Or it's not the cheerleader initiation because no, she didn't get picked. LASIK or whatever it is. I don't know. The Larks. The Larks. Part of the initiation is to drive up and you're told to go kiss a random man on the street. Tori Spelling does it. And the guy is totally cool with it. Angela goes up and the guy starts rolling up the window. Don't touch me. It would have been funny if it was the priest. (laughs) I wish it had been. And he closes his eyes and imagines that it's Macaulay Culkin. He's rolling up the window. Get out of here. Go away, Angela. Your mother was right about you. (laughs) Your mother. We have some awesome scenes in here because, especially back in the school where we have the English class. I wasn't totally following, but uh, the English teacher tells the jock to get up and he starts actually riffing this fairly clever off the cuff poem, right? That rhymes. And he gets the beaver. Yeah, about the beaver. Oh, maybe it's because it's suggestive about beaver. He gets sent down to uh, the principal's office. But then a beat later, we get the goth girl screaming how she's going to kill Troy Spelling and no no repercussions. And I love how Angela is the last one uh, leaving this class and the teacher gives her this expression like, isn't my class the absolute best? What other class are you going to get a death threat with no repercussions? Like, it's like my class is fucking awesome. I thought she was looking at her like, why are you still fucking here? (laughs) Maybe that's it too. Shouldn't you please be the first 
just went out my door. I can't. I don't want to spend a she's minute. She's like, uh, she's like searching. Like, what can I look like? How can I look busy so I don't have to talk to her? This is not the first time, right? That uh, this goth girl has threatened to kill Tori Spelling. <laughs> she smells nepotism. <laughs> there wasn't even in the script. They're like, you have to stop saying that. <laughs> That's right. She tried to get cast on Melrose Place. Well, you gotta fucking cool it, all right? This is a SAG project. Cheerleading tryouts? Oh, dude, it's funny about the cheers. They were all horrible. Yeah, okay, thank you. That's exactly right. What Tori Spelling, Spelling didn't do anything differently <laughs> so, than what that? Angela's ass had done. Like, I, I didn't even see the difference. I almost got out there to smoke these bitches. Was that, like, an intentional joke on the director's part? I couldn't tell. Or maybe they tried, and then the director is like, look, this is the best we're going to get from Tori Spelling, so we're going to put it in there, and we're going to leave it up to the audience to see the joke here. Angela goes up and does it exactly the same as Tori then comes up and does it and Tori might actually even be worse she seems to be offbeat <laughs> they're like we want you to do it like in the style of Helen Keller <laughs> you're hitting all the right downbeats this is not what we want remember Patty Duke played Helen Keller this is how it all ties together I love it bringing it all back around well this this movie really does seem to favor the murderer than the victim for sure. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of told through her eyes, which maybe in her point of view, she did exactly the same thing that Kirsten got up there and did, but she didn't make the team and she doesn't know why. And maybe that's, she wasn't as closely hitting the mark as it looked, but because they're telling it through her lens. Is there ever a time in this movie where we're not with Angela? And I do believe that there is. I think believe there are scenes where people are talking about her. But if it had been Angela the whole time, then yeah, this movie is presenting it as her perspective. But um, but I don't know. I think there are scenes where she's not in it. No, I don't. I don't necessarily mean it's from her perspective. It's like the story is being told. Like, we didn't get all sides. We got her perspective, and then they made a story based off of everything she told them. It's so fucking weird. So if she tells them, like, you know, I did the exact, I was doing it exactly the same way as her, but maybe if we go back and talk to this cheer coach, and she's like, please, this bitch had no rhythm. She wasn't on my fucking squad. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, it's such a weird approach to take for this movie to make the murder victim the absolute bitch and then the murderer the victim it's so it was so bizarre because it becomes so apparent like by the first half hour and uh, especially i think when they go to the uh, when they go on the ski trip and they show tori getting the goth girls diary and reading it out loud in front of everybody and you're like this woman is horrible horrible but of course the real person that this is based on did not do that how do you know yeah it's well i guess they don't know it for sure except that it's such a contrived plot device to have the goth girl be forced to go on this trip that was not a school trip and the goth girl is not a part of this club or this group of friends. Like it's just there so we can get this scene to make Tori Spelling that much more evil. <laughs> like that's it's so weird. 
And in the People magazine article, she it did reference that she said something about what she wore skiing. Yes. She made fun of the boots or something. But that is also this could be that this girl is so warped in her head that maybe she's not actually bullying her, but is just like breaking balls, which is like maybe something that she does. And this this other girl took it in a way different way than it was intended. The sense uh, from the things that I read, too, is that Kirsten wasn't really that aware of Bernadette. It's not like she was out to get Bernadette. It's just that Bernadette was always like kind of on the periphery, probably not on Kirsten's radar. She wasn't targeting her, bullying her. So whatever comment she made about your gear for skiing could have just been totally offhand could have been a slam but could have been why she was murdered <laughs> right yeah she because... could have started premeditating it right then and there yeah this bitch gonna die it's just weird it's weird all around but just to see how strangely black and white they want to make this movie but black and white in the sense that again yeah the the murderer is the victim here and then at the end i love the trial with her lawyer is the most deadpan unemotional (laughs) guy and when they start the trial and they're panning across the courtroom slash holiday in conference room because that did not look like a courtroom to me during the prosecution's opening arguments and it gets to angela's lawyer and then he turns and looks at her like he's hearing all this for the first time like whoa you are one crazy chick i don't see us winning this one at all He's like, fuck, you didn't tell me all of that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it looked like. (laughs) Whoa, you killed this girl? (laughs) He's a great lawyer. Wait, but you actually did it. (laughs) See, I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, you confessed already? I got to change my whole argument here. I was going to say that that it was the goth chick that did it. I thought we all understood it was the goth chick, right? (laughs) Yeah, that was was the plan. (laughs) And then, too, now... Everybody's sort of changed their tune. It is weird how these girls who were once Tori Spelling's friends, especially the one blonde girl, now during this trial, during the recesses, it seems like they're all annoyed that there's even a trial as if all of this is Tori's fault for getting stabbed to death. Like, how? why are they doing this to Angela? That's what it turns into at the end here. It's crazy. Well, that blonde girl is the one that was friends with Angela first. That's Wendy Preffercorn. Yeah. She, so I think she started to recognize. So, it's whoever you're friends with first. So, Jared, if you murder Aaron, I'm sorry, but Aaron... I gotta I gotta stand by Jared. Alright. Yeah. I completely understand. <laughs> and I'm gonna be more annoyed with you for dying than I am with Jared for actually doing this. Well, I could have at least tried to stay alive. Yeah, you're like, come I on, mean, man. Yeah, you I should mean, have gotten CPR. If you just struggled a little bit more, I think you could have fought yeah. off those last two stab wounds. Exactly. Could have kicked his but balls. I just didn't want it bad enough. You gotta want it. He wanted it more. You gotta want it as much as the principal wants Tori Spelling. I think this movie would have been better with the nine these commercial breaks you know maybe maybe you think right after the trial there was a give me a break for a kit kat bar oh yeah watching this with the commercial breaks would make it so much more disgusting honestly i mean that's like that's one of the elements that they're pointing to in natural born killers right where we have the interview with woody harrelson and after he describes this being possessed by the demon and then you get the close-up of uh robert downey jr saying only love kills the demon 
We'll be right back. And then it cuts to the Coca-Cola commercial, right? Like it's this true crime, this these really horrific sensationalized murders being paired with commercialism. I agree with you totally. <laughs> the commercial breaks are fucking weird. Fortunately, we get to watch it without them, though. I mean, that's why there's those murder podcasts. I don't know. I, I will never listen to one, but I'm sure they have a sponsor. You know, stamps.com or something and enter promo code, oh, yeah. my favorite murder. Oh, for sure. I think our commercials today would be more fitting to go along with these movies because back then there was like hope sold to us through the commercials. And now it's just like, hey, we got bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you're not okay <laughs> yeah you're not okay so you gotta take this or you won't be or you did and now you're fucked hey if someone gave me a free pass code for DraftKings, i'd be happy 15 dollars more to waste down the toilet hell yeah sign me up oh yeah oh yeah i think jared's got a gambling problem <laughs> jared you were talking about gambling on what football what were we talking about recently soccer i've done it all soccer i've done it baseball <laughs> really living down that filipino stereotype there jared good work yeah you know it, it, you know cockfighting's illegal so you know i gotta i gotta i gotta, I gotta do something <laughs> well and nobody's doing it with the covid oh my god i would love to see jared at a cockfight <laughs> <Screaming, laughs> waving I'm his like, money in the air go, yeah. <laughs> and then you put you put some pesos down. Oh man! Look, my family breeds good chickens to fight. Did you ever train them? No, my my cousin and grandfather did. They always won. I'd love to know what kind of training. See what Jared's doing. He's selling us. It's a sure thing, guys. <laughs> All you gotta do is yeah. trust me with your money. I'll place your bets. <laughs> Dude, the problem is my cousin Junri. He would breed these cocks. They would win, but he would blow his money on the other fights. So he lost his money. He lost all the money he won because he kept gambling. You mean he's a gambler who was never up? Yeah. Well, that's that's quite the anomaly because my understanding is that gamblers are almost always up over a lifetime. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that's why that's why you do it. That's why you keep gambling because all you can do is win yeah. more money. <laughs> hey, you know, there's a random soccer tournament in uh, England. You know, FA Cup, and I'm like, all right, who's gonna who's gonna score me a goal? What else do we have, guys? Okay, I will say, and I mentioned this at the top, the FBI interrogation, there were some scenes in here that I felt were actually pretty strong. Maybe it's because we're watching a Lifetime made-for-TV movie. You're starved in a desert looking for some Something. good filmmaking that you can latch on to. But again, this guy who directed this one has been making movies since 1958, uh, he directed ep episodes of The X-Files, you know, which is a good show. The FBI interrogation, where Uncle from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is reading the profile of the killer. And we are just sitting on Angela's face and doing a very slow zoom into her the whole time. We don't cut away from it. I thought that was good. I was like, this is solid. I could see this in a in a feature film. This was good. And I didn't feel like Kelly Martin was all that bad in this. No, she was good. You had to make do with what your material was. It could be the material. It could be playing opposite Tori Spelling, and anyone could look good playing opposite Tori Spelling, of course. Or crazed. 
Sometimes she laid it on a little thick earlier in the movie with like the the eyes. I felt like that's a flaw with the direction. Maybe she was getting directed to play it up a little bit too much. But after the murder, I thought I think it's yeah post. They were like, we need you to we need you to overact a little bit because Tori's so bad that we need you to get on the same level somehow. Yeah. She's solid, and she is known for, I recognized her, and I don't even know how, because I never watched the show, but for some reason I could place her in um, Life Goes On, but I think she was big in, what, ER, I believe, was her other big one? Yeah, ER. Everybody in here looked familiar, like I knew them from someplace, but most of them I didn't know, but they looked like other people, (laughs) I think. That were on the television, yeah. Probably, yeah. So that's the fun of watching these these Lifetime movies, perhaps. All right, then, guys, should we move into our grades? Let's do it. Jared, what is your grade for Death of a Cheerleader? D. Goodness, a D. Uh, dude, I, I just, ah, dude, it's just so melodramatic. Everything feels just like, I don't know. I, I, I was bored. Maybe maybe because I've been in the sun for, like, I don't know, God who knows how long. But when I watched this, I was just like, damn. This is a bummer. Yeah, well, I guess when you put it in the, the context of it's a true story, it definitely is a bummer. I agree with that. Okay, wow. Jared gives it a D. Aaron, you brought this movie to us. What is your grade? C+. Plus. Give it a C+. Plus. I'm just putting it up against other Lifetime movies that I've watched that were made around that same time. And this one just isn't in the top. Like, this isn't one that I would be like, oh, yeah, I could watch that again. I thought this one was one of the top because you recommended it to us a couple times. And we at first we thought we couldn't find it to watch. I was shocked when it was free on Amazon Prime. So this one isn't one of the best ones? I just thought a Lifetime movie would be good. And I was actually looking for different Lifetime movies that I remembered. And I couldn't find them to stream. So I saw this one and it was Tori Spelling. And she's such a terrible actress that I knew if nothing else, we would find things to laugh at. They were right to cast her when they're shaming the victim in this way because you just can't wait for her to be killed off. (laughs) Right. So I guess, yeah, in that sense, you're right. It was good casting. So... I'm the, I'm kind of there with you, Aaron. Compared with our previous movie, A Killer Among Friends, I had a more difficult time with that. And I think one of the reasons is there were a lot of characters in that one. And when you're doing a made-for-TV movie where you're just trying to cram everything in, it felt a, a little scattered and all over the place. Certainly the Ellen slash Karen was the uh, focus, but... Uh, Then I was distracted by, oh, this can't be true, this can't be true, then came to find out that just about all of it was. And everything looked ugly in that movie, too. I thought this one looked better. Maybe, again, it's the setting, too. It's not Arlita. That was the other thing uh, I wanted to correct from the last one. We said it was near Pasadena. I said it was near Pasadena. It's not near Pasadena. It's in the valley. It's Arlita. And this one is definitely has a nicer setting but i think everything just like camera wise looked a little bit better and it was more narrow focus on angela almost like kind of like a character study of angela a character study of angela in a sympathetic light of the girl who stabbed a cheerleader to death with a carving knife I give this one, I think, a C because I think you can watch this one. And I think it's better to just not know anything maybe about the real story and just go into it like this is a fun, bad movie. It didn't drag for me. This one moved along and it was oddly compelling, again, as its own piece. 
divorced from the real story so that you can just see the craziness of making this murderer sympathetic and then at the end really with the courtroom scene having it the theme be that this is the this community's fault society made her this way the society made her this way yeah the well the culture of this community and this school really gave her no choice but to kill her cheerleader (laughs) it's so it's so weird sorry there was no other way around it (laughs) yeah what did you expect her to do no that principal's creepy as fuck oh yeah i hate the principal but i i love the fact that he plays it so well it's kind of like subtle it's like you're like whoa why is he talking to this high schooler like that what what the fuck the judge at the end when he says like what was this all for you know the difference between second degree and first degree means nothing in terms of her sentence maybe it's just the principle of the thing because jared she was going to get seven years if it was second degree or first degree but it just really drew this whole thing out and then he says like it's seems to have been more for entertainment uh because again this was a really big news story at the time uh, almost indicting all of us for having watched the movie and for everyone having made the movie like <laughs> that was like some third perspective shit when yeah this is for our entertainment which is kind of interesting and again this is why this movie kind of repudiates your argument about this being more propaganda for being yeah no you're, you're right about that but when i was watching it i was just like oh god make it stop yeah <laughs> So I think it's actually, if you're looking for a dumb, bad movie, you want to do something back in the 90s, and you're into like just seeing an oddly compelling TV movie, it's worth a watch, but it's it's nothing great. I give it a C, which I think puts it above Fifth Element in my mind. <laughs> oh, I will not. It's easier to watch. It's a lot easier to watch. Oh, my God. And it's at least it's only 90 minutes, too. Fifth Element is love. Fifth element is fucking love. So it's a D, a C plus, and a C for Death of a Cheerleader. And that will wrap up our Lifetime True Crime Double Features. If you want to find out more about this show or any of our other shows on Game of Thrones or Stranger Things, head on over to Bandcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Bandcast. And send us an email at Bandcast at gmail.com. Thanks all so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with the first in our next double feature. Yeah, you're going on that goddamn ski trip. And so help me God, you are going to make friends.